this is your first first Wednesday, uh, welcome to first first your first first Wednesday. Um, nothing here like goes online, so a lot of stuff happens. Um, we just want to say that whatever happens uh, at first Wednesday stays at first Wednesday. Look, if the devil can do it, we're going to do it too. I want you to be free uh, at first Wednesday to experience God in a new way, but maybe to express your relationship uh, to God in a different way. Did you know that you can choose um, the intimacy of your relationship with God sometimes based on your expression? And so, how do you know that I love my life, my wife, my life? I also love my life. How do you know I love my life? By driving a nicer car, no. Uh, how do you know I love my life? Some of us were like, oh, you know, my relationship with God is kind of between me and Jesus. I'm like, yeah, but does it look like what Jesus, what the way that he is with you? Does it look like that? Because he's pretty affectionate. He's pretty like released in worship of his father. You know, he doesn't have all these like barriers and these layers where he's trying to look cool and where he's trying to like, I don't know, like my, I don't sing, I don't sing well, so I don't know how loud I want to sing in the, in the, that's why the music is so loud that you can't hear yourself sing. You're welcome. That's mostly for your neighbor. They asked us to the, um, I was thinking, you know, God has been so gracious to us. I miss the setup and tear down days. I like watching you guys run around like, like ants setting all this stuff up. But I think God, we need to be grateful that God has given us a house here. But listen, listen, the house is not for, for us. The house is for those who are, are yet to come. And some of you are, are new to this house. And so this, we just want to say welcome to Venue Church. It can be a little bit about you, but not a lot. Uh, because your life is going to be, you know, that's part of our expression with our relationship with Jesus is when you are bringing somebody here that you know needs Jesus, or at least risking rejection by asking somebody at work. Why do you think you work where you work? Like, I know you don't feel super fulfilled there. You would if you started bringing people to church. You are there because you might be the only one there and the only chance that they have. So you start, got to start looking at your life a little bit differently, I think. Um... Hey, we have an exciting weekend coming up. I don't want you to miss that Nathan Finocchio is preaching here on, on, uh, on, uh, can I give this mic up a little bit, Tyler? He's pre preaching here. He's, he's a bit ridiculous. You're going to laugh. Um, I, I just heard him speak a couple of times. He was pretty funny. So, um, and he's a huge Liverpool fan. I, Liverpool, do you like that? All right, let's, uh, let's get into the topic today. Thanks, Sean. Um, I'm going to call this, um, smooth stones. Um, it's about David and Goliath. And uh, if you grew up in Sunday school, you know that he picked five smooth stones from the rock, um, from the brook, I should say. First um, Samuel 17, I'm just going to start right into the story. Uh, the Philistines now mustered their army, uh, mustered, mustered, it's not a ketchup and mustard, but they mustered their army. Yeah, it was weird back then. That's just, you know. The Scots, they played bagpipes. These guys, they mustered themselves up. I was working at a job site one time and the guy no, yeah, this is not getting, is this getting recorded? The, the guy, he had, a, he had a thick accent. I think it was from like the Eastern cell block countries. And he kept saying like the muster point, but like the, but the, he, could, he couldn't say it without saying the D on the end. So if you work on job sites, the muster point in case that there's, you know, the muster point here is out there in case there's a fire or something. But if, to him, it was always the mustard point. And every time he said that, I'm like the mustard point. Um, like what happens there? Um, I said it was different than Sunday. <laughs> Uh, and they camped between these different places. Saul countered by gathering his Israelite troops near the valley of Elah. So the Philistines and uh, Israelites face each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. Then Goliath, you've heard of Goliath, I hope. Gol we need to go, y'all need to go back to Sunday school. All right, we'll teach you about Goliath. A Philistine champion from Gath came out to the Philistine ranks uh, to face the forces of Israel. 
So they had a whole army, and then they had this one guy. He said he was over nine feet tall. Um, then it, it, it does this weird thing where it lifts all of his armor. So it says he wore, uh, um, this is really unusual in his day, by the way. Also, he, he was of a size that all of this is, is like there's no factory here. Right, so this is all handcrafted armor for Gigantor here. He wore, um, it says a bronze helmet, uh, bronze coat of mail, weighing 125 pounds. Like that's, that's bigger than Paul's leg press. The, I don't know, is that a good number for a leg press? If there's a terrible number. Just skip over it, just skip over it, Paul. You can go get prayed for and forgive me later. Um, if you've never been here before, by the way, we give you an opportunity to get prayed for by our prayer team, which will be off to the side. So Paul is going to be there. Um, 125 pounds, more like 125 kilograms. I don't know what a leg press is. Anyways, um, so it goes through listing all of this, his tech that he had. He also wore bronze leg armor and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam. And that's heavy, everybody. What's a weaver's beam? I don't know. Okay. But get this. Um, his iron spearhead weighed 15 pounds. So, like, you got that at the end of a weaver's beam, and you're going to, like, live, throw that. I could, I could tip that over. <laughs> so if you were, like, if you were there, <laughs> that would be dangerous for you. But that's, <laughs> if you were, like, any, any ways away, you know, if you, happen to be, if you literally happen to be on this thing, you know, and move it off the table. Okay, but this guy could probably throw it. Um, his armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. So he had so much stuff on, but then his armor bearer, so now there's two of them. And um, now... I know that what, what you face in your life sometimes, or maybe what that person at work is facing right now, seems so big to them and has so much tech. What you, what you maybe don't know is that Israel is not allowed to have any metal. So the only metal they're allowed to have at this time, they, 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 they outlawed weapons, the Philistines, because they lived under Philistine domination. And this is what the devil wants to do. He wants, he wants to try to outlaw your, your weapons and keep track of you because they would have to come for their farming implements to the Philistines, pay a fee, but then, but then the Philistines knew where all they were, where all the farming they knew, they could track them, right? And so sometimes, sometimes somebody here is facing something that seems so big and, and then you feel like the devil or, or life or your, or your dad, you didn't have a good dad, there's something that makes this insurmountable, this giant, and you're like, if I only had the weapons they had, if I was as big as they, if I... You're going to find out in a second here that this is more like, see, David, this teenager comes on the scene, and I don't know if you've watched John Wick. I'm not going to say watch it. I'm just going to say somebody watched it and told me about it. The, you know, where it's like, they'll be expecting you, John, and he's like, it won't matter. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, all that the enemy carries into your life to attack you with, this guy spent a lot of time lugging all this crap around to come here and die. I mean, I, I would, I'd rather die. If I'm going to die, I would rather die and just get there and not be carrying all this crap around my whole life. You think about it. Watch, watch. Um, Goliath stood and he shouted a taunt across to the Israelites, why are you all coming out to fight? I'm the Philistine champion, but you're only the servants of Saul. The enemy's always going to say, like, you're only... Like you only have that job, it only pays so much. You only have that, you don't have, the, you don't have a good teacher at school, you only. It's always you only, you know. Um, he says, choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, we'll be your slaves. But if I kill him, you'll be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. There's something that the enemy wants to do. He doesn't want to just like taunt you and hurt you. He wants to defy 
Like, you want to like really, you know, like one of my brother Ryan used to call me fat when I was a kid. It's like nobody in my family understood that. When I punched him, I was disciplining him for the Lord. <laughs> this is the, when the enemy gets in your face and reminds you of your sin. There's something there. He's like, you can't. You remember, you remember what you used to be like a year ago. Is there something to, he just wants to just dig in a knife and make you feel it. And uh, when Saul and all the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply afraid. And they're deeply shaken. Now, here's the thing that I'd like to ask. Why on earth are you trying to fight the Philistines on Goliath's terms? Why would you let Goliath, that giant, the abuse you suffered, why would you let that set the terms for your life? He's like, hey, I got this big, great deal, guys. If I be your best guy, then you can be our slaves. Well, if it was me, I would just grab like 10 of the dumbest men in venue and like push you against him. You might die, but I'll get a knife in there. Dogpile the guy. Like, come on, church, just lean in, lean in, lean in, lean in, lean in. Whatever you're facing is not stronger than all of us. It's never stronger than all of us. What's making you afraid doesn't make all of us afraid. You need, you need a, a church community where you like lean. You need a small group. You lean in. You need help so that you lean in and you're like borrowing somebody's strength. And someday you'll get a payback when their marriage falls off the rail and you stand there. And you're like, it's not falling off the rail. I'm going to stay up all night and pray in tongues if I have to. We're going to go after the Holy Spirit. We're going to go after the devil. And we're going to get one of them here and the other one out. Do you, have, do you have friends like that? Do you have four to five close friends that you do life with at church who know about you? Jesse's three oldest sons had already joined uh, Saul's army to fight the Philistines. David was the youngest. And he went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. Get that. He went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. That's good war training there. Just give me a minute. You're going to love this. You're going to love this. I have a word from God for you. For every single person here, no matter what you're facing, I have a word from God for you. And you're going to walk out of here and you're going to understand that giants are only giants and giants fall. For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champions strutted in front of the Israelite army. Why do you think that the devil always threatens you and struts in front of you? Don't you think that, I mean, come on, Jesus followers. You think if he could take you out that he wouldn't? Why do you think he always makes you afraid and like blows everything up? And some of y'all got to stop watching the news or you should have stopped watching about two years ago. You know, blowing all this stuff up all the time. Like, why do you think the devil's doing that? Because he can't beat you in an open fight. Because he might wake up the church behind you. And you don't want that. That is good. Thank you, Arwen. You're the one who loves me. You're my favorite kid. <laughs> David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army at the Valley of Elah fighting against the, the Philistines. So David left the sheep with another shepherd. It's interesting they had another shepherd. I'm just reading this like, like I read it for the first time. You ever read through the Bible and you've read it like 20 times and then some of you haven't and you ought to read, read the Bible? I'm reading this, and I've just said, with another shepherd. Isn't that interesting? It's like when my mom wanted me to do the dishes. If there was any other dish doer there, I would leave the dishes with them. I would go, I would, I would die in battle first. But here, you know, with another shepherd. He keeps going back and forth. To, I, I'm going to show you that... that the war is not here. That's not where David learns to fight. 
He could have left them with another shepherd, but he keeps going back to the sheep. He arrived at the camp, though, because his dad sent him. Um, just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. You know, there's a 40 days of battle cries. You ever think about that? Like 40 days straight of like going out and shouting and stuff. And then one guy gets up and talks and then everybody like, okay, see you guys tomorrow. <laughs> and you're just trying to like work yourself up, right? <laughs> like nobody. <laughs> it's like, work, I'd have to work myself up after 40 days and be like, oh. I think you get more worried about uh, worried about the possibility of fighting than actually like fighting. I feel like it would be easier just to go out and see what happens. But um, soon the Israelite and Philistine forces are facing each other, army against army. David leaves his things with the keeper of supplies and uh, hurries to greet his brothers. As he was talking, Goliath comes up. He heard him shout his usual taunt uh, to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright from the one guy, right? Have you seen the giant? The man asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. This, they're locked in this thing that I think God hates on the battle of their talking about the enemy. Have you seen the giant? They've been doing this for 40 days. This is what this is their morning thing. You know, like they'd eat a bowl of porridge and then be like, have you seen the giant? <laughs> Who hasn't seen the giant? This is not a new army. They all seen the giant. Why are they talking about seeing the giant? We talk about it because we're afraid to do anything about it. There's no point in reading the Bible if you're not going to do anything. If there's no point in praying if you're not going to do what he tells you. I would, rather you. I would rather you pray and spend all week trying to do the thing that God told you to do than pray anymore. He who, he who hears the word and doesn't do it, it's like you see your face in a mirror and then you turn around and if you don't do it, you forget that that was you. you. The word of God says, you forget what you look like. And then what will happen is, if, if you don't apply it to you, then you're going to go out and see it in your wife, and you're going to be like, I knew it. I'm going to apply it to you. That was more for the girls than the guys, because <laughs> guys can't read. <laughs> now, nobody can be mad at me, right? I feel like I made fun of everybody. Um, the king has offered a huge reward to anybody who kills him. He will give the man, listen, listen, that man, one of his daughters for a wife. What if some like freakazoid beats the giant by accident? Like he's pushing like the meal cart and the cart like, and rolls down a hill and kills Goliath. And it's this dude with like, you don't want your daughter marrying, you know? <laughs> this is all coming to me right now too. I'm just thinking like, which one of my daughters do I marry to that guy? <laughs> Hey, what's up? Like, this is all accidental. <laughs> I haven't had a shower in 40 days. Like, what's going on, guys? <laughs> the garbage man. I mean, is that who you want to marry your daughter? <laughs> uh, and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. Uh, David asks the soldiers, what will a man get for killing this Philistine? He's like, man, I grew up, like, with sheep. This, sounds, this is great, <laughs> you know. Um, and ending his defiance of Israel. Everybody else is worried because they feel like Goliath is defying them. But, but David, there's something in him who's like, who's this freaking guy? He's not mad because he, it's not personal to him. He, he's, he's a teenager, but he sees what nobody else sees is that the giant that's in front of him isn't just his giant. It's everybody's giant. 
And that giant that you think that you're facing is also your daughter's giant. And if you don't beat him, your daughter's going to face him. Because just give it time. He's going to get there. There's something in him that's outraged that you're going to do this to my people. I'm not worried about me. I'm, I'm more worried about my people. I'm so worried that I'm fearless in front of you. Who's this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? Allowed. What are you allowing in your life right now to defy the armies of the living God? You're allowing something? I heard a, a sermon a couple weeks ago, and I felt like this is my takeaway from it. I said during COVID, I shared this with a few of the team that during COVID, as a pastor, I had to be very wise and I couldn't lead angry. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I had to be wise and kind of everybody wanted me on their team and every, you know, because anger is easier than fear and all of that. That makes sense. Fear is scary because it takes all your energy and then you're left with like sadness and nobody knows how to feel that anymore. Right. And so they get angry. It's just, then it brings energy and then you get this weird angry energy and you can get uh, a weird energy from unforgiveness too, by the way. Unforgiveness brings this weird energy. Then you like take that person out and you rehearse all their hurts and then like beat them up in your mind and then put them back in the box and be like, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to take you out and beat you again tomorrow. Um, he turns and, oh, let me finish the thing. So, you know what started this church though? Our family was facing a giant that was destroying our family. My wife and my daughters and myself. And the people that came with us. I mean, it was, it was trying to get to everybody and destroy us. And in a, in a very harmful and hurtful way. And what started this church, I remember the day that I said out loud. Now, you've got to be careful when you say this. It had better be God saying it through you. But I said to the devil, if you can kill us, then kill us. But anything short of that, why don't you go to Airdrie and get ready for us? Because that's where we're going. And I realized when I was hearing the speaker say like, yeah, the last two years we were kind of in this weird place where we had to be, you know, whatever. But he's like, I, I think we got a little risk adverse and I realized I need to go back to the, to the, so this baptism, like I was crying, you see me crying and stuff. I was angry again at the devil. I was angry that what, what he took from you. I was angry, but I'm so angry about it. I'm going to tell my neighbor to come to church. I'm so angry about it. I'm just going to like do whatever I have to do to work my way into friendship to share the gospel. And I, I thought, yeah, I couldn't lead in COVID angry, but I, we can baptize people angry. It's, it sounds funny, not bitter, not whatever. I'm grateful for the work of God, but I'm so angry that, of what the devil thinks he can do. You like an angry pastor. I'm not like angry, you know, with my sap, like, what? You did the thing. That's not the right kind of oat milk. You made me drink that rotten oat milk in my thing. No, that was, that was me. I should have checked it like a month ago when it started tasting weird. And it says, when, when, but I didn't. I should have really yelled at somebody about that. Um, but you know when you start giving somebody heck for something that you know was definitely you? And then you have that decision to make, like, do I keep going? Because you're like, oh, the, oh, boy, that was me. And then you're like, should I keep going? Should I like, it's like bluffing in poker, right? Like, I, I, could, I could probably maybe skip. Okay. Nobody else, just be, okay. But when David's eldest brother, uh, Eliab, heard David talking about, um, talking to the men, he was angry. Watch, watch. 
Eliab was in a place, I mean, it says later when, you know, it says, or, uh, uh, when Samuel comes, it says like, when Samuel sees Eliab, his older brother, he's like, this dude could be king. So here's like a king-like guy. He could go out and, and fight Goliath, but it's funny that the people around you that don't go and fight will get angry at you for wanting to go and fight. So don't worry about it. You can save them too. He says, what are you doing here anyways? Uh, what about those few sheep that you're supposed to be taking care of? You're going to watch the very thing that somebody's going to make fun of you about. Oh, just give me a minute. You can't trick me into saying the end. I'm not going to say that. He says, I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. Pride and deceit were not David. They were alive. But you just want to see the battle. And if I'm David, I'm like, what battle? All you guys do is wake up and eat, eat porridge and then go out and everybody yell. And then the big guy says something, and then everybody's like, you know. Then everybody goes back, like, there's no battle. It's a verbal. It's a Facebook battle. He came at me, and then I was like. I worry if war breaks out in this country. Because unless wars can be won by video gamers, we got a problem. And maybe it can be. That's possible. I don't know that. Like shooting rockets and stuff. That could be a thing. In which case, I will apologize to you gamers. I'll be like, thank you for staying up till four in the morning every week and being a terrible worker because now you just saved everybody and we're really grateful for that. Thank you. But in, in I don't think it's going to be like that. <laughs> what have I done now? He said, I was only asking a question. It's funny though. It's funny though. He wasn't making demands. He was asking a question. I think if you would just ask a question. It's like, what will, be, what will be done? Well, they're all like, have you seen the giant? They're asking this question. He's like, so what will be done? Like, what are the rewards if we get this right? What could happen? You guys like that? Is this working for you? Are you guys gamers? Layden's going to get prayed for because he's thinking about lying right now, but he, he knows. You go get prayed for. You're lying. You are full of pride and deceit. <laughs> then David's question right? You don't walk in at work. That's why you keep getting new jobs. You don't walk in at work and make a bunch of demands and statements. But his question was brought to the king. So your question asked him like, hey, what will be done? Hey, I'm super curious. And he just like wouldn't let it go though, you know? Um, it was brought to King Saul and the king sent for him. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. He says, don't worry about the fear. Like all y'all, like I can, I can taste the fear on you guys. Um, I'll go fight him. That's pretty sad when you're like teenager is like, it's okay, dad. Like, I'll go, I'll go beat up that bully next door. Then we'll give your lawnmower back. I'll go take care of it. Be like, Neela, just be like, it's okay, dad. I got this. Go sit down and have a good cry. Yeah, Saul says, don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy and he's been a man of war since his youth. But he persisted. He's, David said, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. And Saul's like, what, what are we talking about right now? <laughs> like, that's great. You know, like when I ask a question and, like, and my wife answers like with this other thing, I'm like, that's great. But I'm not talking about sheep and goats right now. <laughs> but sometimes it's connected. <laughs> <laughs> so watch. <laughs> I'll say I'm sorry later. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's like, you want to make out? I feel bad. I want to make up for it. Okay. <laughs> I want to make up out for it. Is this working for you, Vindu Church? Okay. That's why this is, that's why this is not study. It's working. You love it. You love it. You're blushing. Ooh, she's, she's angry. 
Okay, good. Um, <laughs> he said, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goes, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. Now we know why he didn't want to leave it with another shepherd. When a lion or bear comes after it, I go after it and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the lamb's in the mouth, I'm like, it's too late. Take it. Here's a few more just in case you're hungry. And I'm going to try to get away with mostly me. But if these other guys want to come too, that's great. But like there's losses, right? <laughs> if the animal turns on me, so this is it. This is it. Watch this. Watch this. And this is just coming to me right now. If the animal turns on me, I'm going to go get it out of its mouth. If you let it go, we'll be, we'll be cool. But if you turn on me and I got this lamb, watch. This is where some of you lose the battle. Because you fight the giants that attack your ego. But you don't fight the giants that have the lambs that you're supposed to take care of in its mouth. That's going to cost you your ego. You're not going to come out of that with no scars. But it's like going to the devil over your teenager, teenager's life and saying like, I'm going after them. And if you want to let them go, then you're not going to face. But if you turn back when I've got them free. Watch. He says, um, I catch it by the jaw. I catch it so it can't get away from me. And I club it to death. My uncle Dean, he was like four or five. And do we have any farmers who know how like turkeys are scary and stuff? Okay, turkeys are scary. Just take it from me, city folk. They're scary. I was recently at a farm. Turkeys are scary. They're like gather around and like, well, turkeys can scent. Nobody's a farmer. They're scary. No, like I'm serious. You go out to a farm, you're all like, no, they're not. You go out to a farm, you see. My uncle Dean, there was a turkey that like just marked him. And every time he went out there, this turkey took off after him and like, Tried to beat Uncle Dean up. And one day, my dad's like, we're looking around the farmyard, and we're like, where's the turkey? And then somebody found this turkey. Had been... Dean walked out there one day when nobody was around. My Uncle Dean, he made a club about half his body length and just like, <laughs> walked out there, beat the thing to death, and threw it in the bush. I'm like, did Grandpa get angry? And he's like, well, he kind of solved the problem. Listen, why are you looking for somebody else to make a club for you? Why don't you make your own dang club? Don't walk out there into your own yard, into your own house, and beat the devil to death. I mean, come on. Just a turkey. This is so good. All right. Um, you know what he's saying? He's saying, the Lord who rescued me from those things with sharp teeth is going to rescue me from this thing. Saul finally said, all right, go ahead, and may the Lord be with you. May the Lord be with you. Well, he didn't need to be with Saul because he wouldn't go anywhere. Some people in church are like, oh, Lord, fill me, fill me. I'm like, for what? You're not doing anything. When you say, like, Lord, fill the person beside me who's actually doing stuff, who actually is on the dream team, who actually gives money to the church so that we can save people forever. You know, like, why don't you pray for them so that they can be filled? Why don't you carry their stuff around so that they can fight the devil? I mean, at least do something that you're in proximity to the fight, right? Is that good? Is that convicting? I'd rather carry somebody's sword who knows how to use one. Be like, hey, just tell me when you need it, you know. I'll make you a sandwich. You need a sandwich or coffee. I'll just make sure that you're fueled. Then Saul gave David his own armor. A bronze helmet. Here we go again. And a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like. For he'd never worn these things before. He goes, I can't go in these. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. 
And this is where you, this is where you look at what somebody else is doing, somebody else's gifts and somebody else's armor that they know how to use. And you're like, I'll try that on. But then you come on stage and you can't sing. <laughs> and David's like, I can't sing. Well, he could though. But he's like, I'm not used to this. I can't fight in this. If you can't hit the shot in practice, you can't hit it in a game. My brother was like, why do you shoot all the time when we're playing? You should pass. You should be a passer. You should concentrate on passing. Watch. Can I just get into, like, here's kind of the heart of the sermon, is this. I call it a sermonette so you won't get bored. Here's the heart of this. Here's the heart of this. David goes out with a weapon. We do see in Scripture in at least one other place where these are weapons, but nobody in this army or in that army has this particular weapon. He goes out with the shepherd boy's uh, weapon. So he's never fought with a sword. He's the, he doesn't know what to do with it. He, he goes back. Catch this. I would, I would rather have a person on a team here with a little bit of, a little bit of John Wick. Who's that freaking guy? Why is that guy shouting me down or shouting my family down? with a one, one guy like that who's good with a sling that he learned in the field. Now, shepherd boys in Israel, they, they, if, you, if they'd get good and practice, they could sling a stone and, and graze the nose of a sheep to get it turned around. Have you ever had any dealings with sheep? They're as dumb as cows, but faster. <laughs> cows are real dumb, Vicky. They're so dumb. They're so dumb. Just look at their faces. Okay, sheep are dumber than cows, but fast. Now, if sheep don't follow a shepherd, if you ever try to, like, herd sheep, they're real dumb and they don't get what you're trying to do. So a shepherd, a shepherd boy could sit there and just fling a stone, like, 20 or 30 yards and just nip back there. Just turn him, just turn him back in, turn him back in, turn him back in. He's like, I'm good at that. Here, here's what I want to say. You think you're just changing a diaper. But you're not just changing a diaper. You're touching a future fighter. You're not just making a sandwich for your unsaved husband. You're making a statement of faith that I'm going to work in what you can see and what you can feel so that one day, the, as I'm touching this, I'm praying or I'm, so that the Holy Spirit can give you what you need. So that it's not just getting along with a coworker because you don't want to get fired. It's like, I'm going to pray... I'm glad that somebody hurt me today so that I have something to forgive so that the Holy Spirit has something to do. It's not just, you think it's just, it's never just. It's never just. It's never just, I'm out with the sheep and just... It's never just what you're doing now that seems so small. That's the thing to beat the Goliath. The skill you learn in the lowest, most boring parts of your life is the very skill that God wants you to set somebody free. You just don't know yet that that's a weapon. You don't know that faithfully showing up every day when you're on the greeting team and smiling and loving somebody. You don't know that while you do that, when you're broken and you're hurting, you're like, somebody ought to be smiling and somebody ought to be, and you're sowing good seed and God does something in you. And then God says something and breaks an enemy over, who knows, your small group, your church. You got to get your reps up. You don't know with a bad attitude. He wasn't in the, in the sheep muttering. He wasn't out there muttering. I'll show you. Just wait till the end. You can't make me. Listen. David was better with the old tech than Goliath was with his new tech. 
He was better skilled at what he did than Goliath was at what he did. All right. Um, he walks towards Goliath, walks out, says, am, am I a dog that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. And David's just watching. He's like, he's just getting madder and madder. He says, come over here. Goliath says, I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals. Watch that. I'll give your flesh. Watch that. Goliath goes, David replied to the Philistine. I think sometimes you're quiet when you, I think you talk when you should be quiet and you, you're quiet when you should talk. And David replied to the Philistine, you come at me with all your stuff. Um, I come at you in the name of the Lord of heaven's army, the God of the armies of Israel. He's like, all you got is your name. I come at you in the name of the God who made your big dumb head that I couldn't possibly miss. I mean, the worst, who can't throw a baseball? Nobody's gonna, nobody's got the humility, like what? Who can't throw a baseball? You can hit Goliath in the head. I'm shocked that nobody would raise their hand there because I've seen some of you throw and it's not good. <laughs> Today, the Lord will conquer you. I'll, I'll, he goes, I'll kill you and cut off your head. Then I'll give the dead bodies of, of not just you, but I'll give the dead bodies of your whole army. He's like, Goliath is like, I'll feed you to the birds. And David's like, yeah, no, I'm going to feed all y'all to the birds. Like, I get it. You were right about that thing, but it's going to be you. A curse without cause shall not alight. Who cares what somebody said about you if it's not true? Who cares? It can't land on you unless you take it and start thinking about it and won't forgive them. Then it might. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle. He will give you to us. Okay, let me. There's four elements there. His words committed him to that fight. He committed himself to that fight. Your words might commit you to activities that you shouldn't be in. So that when it comes time to, to fight your battle, that you don't fight there. His words are like, this is all I'm doing right now. I have nothing else to do. Goliath, I got nothing. I got nothing but time for you right now. Some of the, the problems in your family won't get solved because you're not spending the time it takes to solve them. Solve them. Who cares about golf if your marriage is falling apart? Fix it. Get to it. You're welcome, ladies. All right. There's so much stuff I want to say in here. He recognizes reality. He's like, I see all your stuff. I'm not, my head's not in the sand. I see it. I see it. The third thing is he promises annihilation. He's like, no, no, no. I'm not making a deal with anything you got. I don't want to be your slave. I don't want to be your water boy. I don't want to be anything. I don't want to carry that stupid shield around for you. I don't want to do any of that. And the fourth thing he does, some of you, some of you, you're not, a, you got to go for everything in your family. Like, look, I'm not saying that everything always happens that works out for you. I'm just saying, well, why not go for it all? Like, promise the devil annihilation. And the fourth thing he does is he gives the battle to the Lord, but he also gives his spoils to the Lord, too. Some of y'all, you know, the Holy Spirit told you to say something to your husband, and you say something, you're like, and everything turns around, and you're like, I'm such a brilliant wife. And the Holy Spirit's like, what? You never would have thought of that. <laughs> Give the spoils to God. All right. He moves closer to attack. David runs out to meet him, takes out a stone. Oh, did I miss the part where... Did I take that? Oh, he picked up five smooth stones from a stream. Did you, I, I missed that part. That's like the most important part of this whole thing. He picked up five smooth stones from the stream and put them in his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. All right, I'm bringing the plane in for a landing. 
So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then he ran over and pulled Goliath's sword out of his sheath. That probably took him a little while. But you've got nothing but time now. So hold on, I'll be right with you. <laughs> stretch, stretch. <laughs> You're not going anywhere now. He pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. It's funny how, how God uses the enemy's own weapons to kill him. So that, that I don't know how, how thick Goliath's skull was, but I don't know if he was still like flopping a bit. But, but there's something, no, think about it. Like, and he used him to kill. It's, all, like, it's funny though how, how the death blow to your addiction might be in the very thing that the enemy used to tempt you with in the first place. Because your addiction is trying to fill a hole that God could fill. And then God uses that thing to kill the addiction because he can feel it. All right. Can I just, I just want to, it's this idea. He picked, he picked five smooth rocks, five smooth rocks. You need to be a smooth rock in the hand of the Lord. The only way a rock gets smooth, it's not like born smooth, not these rocks. The only way that you get smooth enough to be aerodynamic enough to be accurate enough so that you can tweak the, the sheep's nose See, the, the trouble is we've got these, jag, we're, we're kind of jagged rocks. And we're like, God, use me to speak correction to the pastor. But you're all jagged. And then you like, and then you, and you, and you, you, you if God would use you, then you'd, you'd cut the sheep open. Because you wouldn't fly accurately. And then you come whizzing around to the wrong place and just like gouge your wife's eye out. The only way that a stone can get smooth so that it flies right. And David knows from experience, I'm not taking flawed material with me to the battle. I'm going to go down to the river. And, and the only way that a stone, the only way that you get, you get all the edges rubbed off is, is by tumbling through water. And having water go over you and tumbling and tumbling. And these stones, like who knows how many miles these stones would get to. Don't despise the tumbling at work or at home or in your relationship because it's the tumbling that makes you smooth enough so that when God puts you in a sling, it finds true enough to hit its mark. Because anything fired fast enough is going to kill the, going to kill Goliath. Come on out, worship. And then we'll just explain kind of what happens next in the next half hour or so. Um, you know what? I was thinking about this. David's, David's best gift to the world was not killing Goliath. You got to start thinking of life after addiction, life after your marriage problem, life after. You got to start thinking with life after God heals your mental, your depression. After. After he takes you from being suicidal to being angry at the devil and saving other people who are so you gotta start thinking about life after but here's what I want to say here's what I want to say David's best gift to the world was not killing Goliath it was not being a great king Israel's greatest king his heart was truest to God it, it was none of those things you know what his best gift was when I open my version Bible app and I read out of the Psalms his best gift to you was writing the Lord is my shepherd where did he write these things? Well, he started writing them in the sheepfold, in those places where he had some time in his hands, 
where everybody, his brothers are like, I'm going to battle, and you go back there to the sheep, and you're, uh, you're nothing. And that's where he started writing, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me, and then, and then 90% of David's psalms are like, oh God, what happened, where did you go? But then the other 10% are like, ah, I found you. And Goliath is dead. Oh, I, I'm hiding from Saul, but all of a sudden David's king. And then, but none of those things are the greatest gift. The greatest gift is that you can still read the process that smoothed off the rocks. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down beside the still waters. You know, he'd be beside the, like the, the brooks, but by the time the, bro the water is still, there's still rocks down there that are smooth. Why? Because they came, tumbled in. He'd be down there even in his rest moments looking at some of those rocks and being like, I could kill a giant with one of those. I could still kill a giant with one of those. Come on, venue church.